Hello friends, welcome to Running and Fitness with Raj. This show will bring you exciting and interesting guests and give you specific and actionable advice on your running, fitness and general health. In today's episode, we will be talking to Amit Mehta, founder of Unived and an accomplished endurance athlete and coach. Let me give you a quick overview of what we covered in this episode. Amit explains the importance of focusing on your whole kinetic chain while running and exercising and explains the importance of strength training and how to mix it with your training. Then on nutrition, we discuss the concept of energy availability and then move on to supplementation and discuss the importance of certain vitamins like B12, D3 and how caffeine can be used to enhance performance. We also talk about when to use energy gels and when to use real foods. We then discuss certain specific areas women athletes need to focus on. Finally, Amit talks about the importance of understanding what you do through the day after your run or exercise is vitally important for your overall development. Before welcoming Amit to the show, let me give you an introduction to Unived. Unived was founded in the year 2010 and is a vegan nutrition company which is involved in the research and manufacturing of various dietary supplements and sports nutrition products. Specifically in sports nutrition, Unived was the first company in India to do two things. One is to launch a structured pre-workout, during-workout and post-workout range of nutrition products. And secondly and most notably, introduce energy gels to India. Last year, Unived innovated further and introduced for the first time in the world a 190 kilocalorie energy gel in collaboration with elite athletes and world champions. I'm absolutely delighted to have Amit uh, join us. Uh, welcome to the show, Amit. Hi, Raj. Good morning. Uh, thank you for having me on. Absolutely delighted, as I said. Uh, Amit, we will begin with, uh, with an overview from your side uh, about your journey as an athlete, as a founder of uh, this unique company, Unived. So without further uh, ado, over to you. Sure. Um, so, you know, my journey as an athlete, I mean, I would say sport has been a part of my life uh, since a very very early age. I was I was thrown into the MSLTA, which is the Maharashtra State Lawn Tennis Association uh, back when I was in school. So I grew up playing a lot of tennis. Um, and then I also developed a love for football because uh, I went to school at Campion, which is in Kalaba. And, you know, we were lucky enough to have a pretty large uh, playing ground uh, within the school premise itself. So back then, football was, uh, you know, was a sport that all of us uh, enjoyed playing and I sort of uh, got a little good at it. So I played for school. I played intramurals in Australia and the US as well, where I was continuing my studies. So I've always grown up, uh, like I said, with, uh, with endurance sports with respect to tennis and football. And then I started weight training, uh, I think, when I was 14. And that was the influence of my father. He was uh, a bodybuilder back in his day. He was uh, actually Mr. Bombay in the 60s. So he was a vegetarian bodybuilder. So we've, we've been brought up with, with a pretty uh, uh, strong emphasis on good food, uh, you know, good exercise, things like that. Uh, and uh, your journey uh, from that point to Unived? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, I was uh, in 2008, I was in the US and I was in a uh, MBA program, which I graduated from in 2010. And then coming to the end of business school, I was conflicted between, you know, either staying in the US and getting a job 
or returning home and starting a project around uh, health and wellness. Of course, I, I chose to come back. I started, uh, I would say, about a week. I started the project a week after I returned. And I think back then, this is, to, this is towards the end of 2010. Uh, my idea was very simple. It was to just do something creative, uh, which for me meant to produce something original of, of true value. And I guess a decade on, here I am today talking to you about my journey and my work. Great. Uh, thanks for that, uh, Amit. Uh, so let me begin uh, with asking you uh, about uh, what you can share with our listeners around some of the basic uh, and foundational aspects of body, which athletes need to be aware of, and also in your experience, some of the common mistakes that you come across. I think, I mean, since this, this podcast is around runners, uh, if we talk about foundational aspects of the body with respect to endurance athletes and more specifically runners. I would say one of the most important things is to work towards attaining total body alignment. So it works as a unit and so that there is synergy in movement, uh, which you know also allows for a continuous flow of energy. So you have a kinetic chain and you want to work towards ensuring that the movements you're making uh, sort of come from a continuous energy flow throughout the body versus just from your legs or just from your from your core. Um, so yeah, a lot of importance on hip and glute strength, flexibility, core strength, but it's it's important to not neglect the smaller muscle groups as well, uh, such as your your uh, shins or your ankles and you know the smaller tendons that we have. Okay, and what are some of the common mistakes? Uh, common mistakes that you see. I think, by and large, when you talk about um, strength and foundational aspects of the body, and you talk about mistakes uh, in in sort of in that context, uh, a lot of people don't give strength training the importance that it deserves. A lot of people believe that if they run five days a week or six days a week, they are in good shape. Um, and they only look at strength training when it comes as a answer to an injury that they may have suffered. So they tend to get injured. They go to a physio. The physio asks them, hey, have you been uh, you know, focusing on strength training? And then they're like, okay, no, maybe I need to. So as we say, prevention is better than better than cure. So one mistake, uh, or I would say, you know, a, a very common mistake is neglecting strength training in your weekly regimen. Um, and then even if you've gone through the phase of being injured and incorporating strength training, very often we see that once you're over your injury and you're back into the flow of running, you tend to, um, you know, stop strength training. Just because you feel you're okay and you feel you're you're back to it, and that's that's a repetitive mistake, and that's something that all of us can easily avoid. Okay, so you know most of the people who are listeners here would be people who have you know a day job and who are otherwise busy. Uh, one of the things then I want to ask is how how do you proportion the time? Let's say an athlete uh, athlete has a certain number of hours. What proportion would you say should be devoted to, let's say, tra you know, run training and what proportion should be devoted to 
strength training a, r- a rough idea i know it varies from individual to individual uh, but just for listeners to get an idea on how to prioritize so i mean there's 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 multiple ways that you can address uh, strength training if you for someone who's running 4 days a week or 5 days a week they have the opportunity to dedicate uh, one of the remaining 3 days or one of the remaining 2 days purely towards strength training and they can do that by either going to the gym for an hour or 2 hours and focusing on lower body upper body uh they could also do that through hiit or home workouts for someone else who may be running 6 or 7 days a week um you know i would imagine that their their free time is in the morning because all of us are recreational runners so we have day jobs and and we try and train before we go to office and that time would be dedicated to the run so in those kind of situations uh, which is you know where i find myself i i have found what works for me is when i'm back from home um and so when you come back from office and you have about an hour hour and a half before dinner you can easily get in a 20 minute strength session um you know you can watch watch some netflix do some strength work and if you can do 20 minutes two to three times a week uh, it's it's certainly a decent amount of strength work and it helps you cover a lot of the areas that you otherwise wouldn't be able to okay thank you for that amit uh, let's uh, let's move on to uh, the topics uh, you know which i'm sure is very close to your heart which is regarding nutrition hydration and supplementation now let's start with the basics uh, can you give us some basic principles when it comes to diet nutrition hydration that you would advise and then we can uh, build up from uh, build up from there sure um you know basic in I, I, i'd like to uh, sort of rephrase that instead of basic diet principles and i i, I don't like the word diet too much because you know the meaning and connotation in today's world is is very different people tend to diet to predominantly lose weight i think if we change that and call it basic food principles because that's something that all of us can understand and uh, you know make it part of our daily regimen as opposed to just getting on a diet for a week or 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 a few weeks uh basic food principles that i specifically believe in uh and you know related to the needs of endurance athletes are food choices which ensure adequate sources of vegetables and fruits thereby giving us adequate source of carbohydrates sufficient protein and you know there are ways of calculating how much protein we need depending on the stage of uh the training cycle that we're in and a good amount of healthy fats eating a varied diet and when i say varied diet that means a wide array of fruits and vegetables different colors different sizes eating this varied diet gives us sufficient micronutrients and micronutrients are often not discussed uh they're undervalued we tend to focus on protein we tend to focus on carbs we don't talk too much about micronutrients but they are very important and then you know ensuring carbohydrate intake because carbs are the source energy source of of athletes we can't discount the importance of carbs uh, i i would argue that all endurance athletes should focus on carbohydrates because that is that is the energy source um another thing that you know we should understand is the concept of energy availability 
So when we talk about energy, what is energy availability? Uh, the mathematical definition is energy intake minus energy expenditure. And that is energy availability. So your energy intake is your food that you eat, your drinks that you consume, all the calories that you're taking in, that is your energy intake. And your energy expenditure is all the calories that you expense uh, during training, which is your extremely stressful phase. And then during the, week, uh, during the day as well, you know, sitting at a desk and working, walking to the kitchen, driving home, you're expending energy during all of this. So when there is a energy deficit, that means when you're consuming less than what you're expending, that results in weight loss. And most often, it results in muscle loss. And that is something that as athletes, we can't afford. So I see a lot of athletes who say, okay, you know, maybe they're early in their journey of uh, of running where they've just started running and maybe they've started running to lose weight or to get healthy they tend to think that they need to eat less because that will help them lose weight and run faster and yes eating less may help you lose weight but it will also ensure that you lose muscle and it's also not the right way and the right method so understanding um, energy availability is is of primary importance to anyone who's interested in in health and wellness and more specifically to anyone who's an endurance athlete okay thank you for that uh, what are the adaptations that you think people have to make as they grow older sure uh, a lot of things change as we age uh, you know a couple of things that that come to mind are uh, muscle mass Muscle mass decreases by over a percent a year, uh, especially in untrained individuals. So people who are not training will tend to lose muscle a lot faster as they age as compared to people who are training. Um, we see a very sharp decline in muscle mass in women post-menopause. So that is also age-related. Um, all of us start producing lower amounts of coenzyme Q10 as we age. Coenzyme Q10 is a precursor to ATP. It's required for energy production. We need it every day to, you know, uh, carry on with our day and our, our day's activities. Um, our protein requirements increase as we age. You know, we as we age, we need more protein to prevent the breakdown of muscles. We need uh, sufficient protein to ensure muscle, muscle protein synthesis. Um... We, we can't stop the age-related loss of muscle, but not eating enough protein can lead to older athletes losing muscle at a faster rate. So what I'm trying to say is as we age, there is a condition or there is a process of age-related muscle loss. And we, cannot, we can't stop it, but we can reduce the rate at which it occurs if we consume enough protein. Um, another thing that's really important as we age is vitamin D3. You know, as kids, we have access to playgrounds. We don't uh, have a, a very uh, strict work sort of lifestyle. We're able to go out and enjoy the sun. But as we age, we, we find that we live in a box, travel in a box, we work in a box. We don't get enough sunshine. And hence, we don't get enough vitamin D3. 
And I would argue that if anyone had to take one supplement a day, it would be it should be vitamin D3 because it's so important, uh, not just for muscle and, and bone health, but for so many other functions. So these are a few things that uh, that we should be aware of, uh, you know, especially as we age. And then, of course, there's a whole there's a whole another. Uh, sorry, there's there's just this other side, which is age related lifestyle diseases such as diabetes, cholesterol, and, and maybe that's that's another topic and uh, another podcast, I guess. But uh, that's something that that happens with age. And a lot of that is prevent preventable just you know, if, if we exercise and eat, eat correctly. So, Thank you. Uh, just coming back uh, with a follow-up question on protein intake. Uh, sure. Do you recommend a certain uh, minimum dosage in, the, in terms of protein intake, like, you know, one gram per kilogram of body weight or a little higher? I mean, how do you look at it uh, both personally as well as when you advise your athletes? Right. So... Protein intake varies depending on many factors. For the purpose of, of this answer, let's, let's narrow it down to protein intake specifically for endurance athletes. Uh, and then protein intake specifically for endurance athletes is between 1.2 to 1.8 grams per kilogram body weight. So that's the range you want to be in. If you're you know, and, and, and you can play around with it. You you may have certain days which are easy days and you may have certain days which are hard days. And so as long as you're within that range, you're okay. The protein intake at this level for this activity is for a whole different purpose. And the protein intake for someone who's, say, a bodybuilder and who's interested in specifically muscle mass the protein intake is the recommendations are very different. So again, it's in the context of endurance athletes, and our main interest is not to increase muscle mass the way a bodybuilder wants to increase muscle mass. Okay. Now, uh, my understanding, Amit, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, is that uh, for athletes, it's advised in order to get to that 1.2 to 1.8 grams per kilogram of body weight uh, protein intake. Uh, some sort of supplementation. That is, it's unlikely that uh, many people would be getting it through their food choices or daily uh, daily heating. Now, there are two types of protein supplementation, uh, which is pea protein and whey protein. Do you have a particular uh, preference for one over the other? And if so, uh, why? Being a vegan, of course, I will prefer pea protein. Um, I think I think the preference on the source of protein will differ uh, person to person and it may depend on their uh, food and lifestyle choices. Someone who is a non-vegetarian and an habitual meat eater would get sufficient protein through their diet if I'm assuming they're consuming lean meats um, and then they may opt for either a whey protein shake or um, a pea protein shake that's purely based on their choice but someone who's a vegetarian or more specifically a vegan of course would not opt for a whey protein they would go for plant-based proteins and in the in the array of plant-based proteins when you talk about hemp and rice and brown rice and sprouted brown rice uh pea 
pea protein is one that's in, that's a front runner from from the rest because it has a a pretty well-rounded amino acid profile it's very light on the stomach it's easy to digest it's pretty versatile so you can use it just by itself you can use it in baking um, we mix it in atta sometimes and we make uh, protein chapatis out of it so you can use it in a whole you know array of of uh, different food choices and food intakes moving on from uh, nutrition the next point uh, i wanted to ask you was around hydration now based on just uh, observation i find that uh, a lot of athletes ignore this vital aspect in two ways one many of them do not consume enough water itself and more importantly often the consumption of electrolytes is insufficient and it leads to you know all kinds of problems especially during races uh, down the uh, you know when deep into the race so can you give us some uh, insights and uh, ideas around hydration including electrolyte intakes yep hydration is very critical um, especially when it's hot and humid so you know one, one of the things we say is when you're training um, you need a source of energy and you need to replenish your desire for or your requirement of water uh, you need to rehydrate when you're training and it's cool the temperatures are cool you're not sweating too much you may lean towards a concentrated source of energy like a gel and you may tend to drink less because you may not be thirsty uh, but when it's hot and humid you find that you're also you're not only in need for an energy source but you're also very thirsty so you need to quench your thirst and quenching thirst um, sort of gets amplified in that scenario so you may lean more towards um, a drink mix which has sufficient carbohydrates for energy but which also has salts and because it's a drink mix you also end up getting a lot of water uh, along with that for for rehydration electrolytes are always important pre during and post post exercise there are many times when uh, you know a lot of us consume salt capsules at night before we sleep because it helps you replenish electrolytes um, just during the week it's it's a bit of a performance hack but you know personally i will take a couple of capsules two to three days a week just at night i find that it helps me sleep better um a great way to sort of monitor where you are with respect to electrolytes is to see the color of your urine there are urine charts available online they're pretty easy to find you can keep a printout at home or uh, you can just take a screenshot and keep it available on your phone and that's a great reference point because when you if you monitor your urine and you see that it's borderline or it's you know at a color that it shouldn't be you want to drink more you may want to um you know pop in some salt capsules and you may want to increase your water intake but uh, to to answer that in in a slightly different way you know what what i've seen and what i've observed is a lot of people ask me the question how much water should i drink in a day and there's all these there's these thumb rules right drink make sure you drink a liter a day or make sure you're drinking 4 liters a day i don't think that's correct because i think that varies a lot uh person to person so instead of instead of living uh you know with a with a guideline or with a rule that come what may i have to drink 4 liters of water a day let's approach this in a different way 
and let's say how many times am i uh, urinating in a day have i urinated about a liter a day if i have okay i need to keep drinking water i'm doing okay i'm urin- if i'm not urinating that much it probably is because i'm dehydrated and if if i'm not urinating that quantity also if i'm urinating a different color than what it should be both of those are very reliable indications that i need to drink more water and for someone like me that may be 3 liters a day for someone like uh, you it may be 5 liters or 2 liters a day and it and it it may even vary day to day for the same person so just just being mindful of the color and the quantity of urine is a great way of topping off on on daily water intake versus just living by something like 5 liters a day come what may coming to uh, hydration one follow up question is during activity you talked about uh, on a daily basis uh, how to monitor it and how uh, and then consume appropriately uh, during exercise and let's take uh, a place like mumbai which is you know reasonably hot and humid uh, throughout the year are there some thumb rules like 300 ml or 500 ml per hour of activity uh, that you use um it's a little tricky i personally i drink to thirst uh but having studied the subject i also know that thirst is not a very um a very reliable indicator of how much water you need i'll give you an example uh, you, you know so you've you've dealt with kids i'm assuming in in life you know very, very much yeah okay so i'm sure you've had experiences where um uh you know where they've said hey hey dad i'm i'm thirsty i'm really thirsty and you you give them some water or you take them to a fountain or whatever it may be and they just take a sip and they're okay so, so what that may mean is they may not necessarily be thirsty but they just they need something moist in their mouth or they need to quench uh the requirement of um you know just having a little water in them out to, to keep them going and there may be other times where they sit and drink two bottles and they say the same thing i'm thirsty and you give them a bottle and they drink two bottles so thirst may not be the best indicator at times but i think what happens is each one of us need to calibrate that as we train um personally for any activity over 2 hours i will carry some some water with me and it depends on whether that's an easy run or a hard run uh, i may either take water or i may take i i may take a drink mix um and then the key over there is to start drinking early on so you don't wait until you're 2 hours in because then you're in a deficit um and then you start drinking so that's that's not correct because you lose water at a much faster rate than you can replenish so if you know early on that you're going to be on a 3 hour run it's a hard workout you are going to uh, need water and you are going to need carbohydrate as a, a source of fuel then the best thing to do is start drinking early on you can space it out maybe a sip every 15 to 20 minutes so you have uh, what we call an iv drop <laughs> so it's an iv drop it's little by little it's coming into your system it's easy for your system to sort of break down absorb uh, you don't have instances where you're drinking half a liter every hour which is not 
going to be very comfortable for you. Um, and then that's that's the way to do it. Fuel, uh, like like we say, you know, fuel for the workout required. Okay, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, moving on, uh, again, topic uh, which is uh, very close to you, uh, supplementation. I mean, obviously, you talked about vitamin D3 as a very, very important uh, supplement, which most people probably should be taking mm-hmm. uh, every day. Uh, what are some of the uh, other supplements uh, that you see uh, that is required nowadays? I'd say uh, supplements, when you talk about the Indian population, what we see is uh, 9 out of 10 people need a B12 and a D3. So those are two uh, key supplements that I would sort of uh, uh, you know, recommend everyone consider. And it's really easy to to understand whether you need them or not because all you need to do is get a blood test and you get a blood test you check your b12 and d3 levels and then depending on where they are you supplement the required dose um the thing with d3 is it has a very short half-life so if you take something like 60,000 iu once a week or once in two weeks that's not the best thing to do you want to take a, a, a smaller amount and you want to take it every day um apart from b12 and d3 supplements are are a little conditional so someone who has say joint pain or back pain may need a supplement to address that um women more specifically we see that they need calcium intake they need um, iron supplements um protein of course again in in the context of endurance athletes um to ensure that there is, you know, uh, no muscle loss, and to ensure muscle protein synthesis, you you need adequate protein. And again, you can sort of split your your protein requirements between the food that you eat and then the supplements that you take. So these are some of the common supplements. Caffeine is another. Uh, caffeine is, I, I you know, personally, I feel caffeine is amazing. It's a great, it's a great tool to have in your in your arsenal. Um, if you use it rightly and you use it in the right situations, it can have a, a, a phenomenal impact on your performance. It's it's just, yeah, it's brilliant. So caffeine is something that I'd strongly recommend every endurance athlete understand. And I, I'd recommend using caffeine uh, during, during training and racing. Um, yeah. Thank you. Actually, caffeine, I have also been uh, reading and also listening uh, to some of the experts and uh, a broad guidance they give, uh, which is now backed by quite a few research is three to six gram, uh, three to six milligrams per kilogram of uh, body weight. Uh, if you take uh, any time between 60 minutes to 120 minutes before a hard workout, a hard activity, uh, apparently it does give uh, tangible improvements in uh, performance so uh, thanks for that that's uh, that's something which i'm also trying in my uh, uh, training personally uh, moving on in terms of the uh, in terms of a hard activity where people are using gels mm-hmm. uh, which is something obviously you you have innovated a lot uh, in your company is there a particular benefit uh, for taking real food by which what i mean is let's say like dates or applesauce or things like that versus uh, taking gels uh, is this in context of during your run before your run in the context of during your run so you know the i would make the argument 
that if you're on a training run, and let's keep races aside because in races you're of course at a much faster pace and uh, you need immediate carbohydrate replenishment. But when you talk about training, if you're on a training run, which is a fast run and you're burning, you're, you know, you're burning through your glycogen stores pretty quickly, you do need to replenish your glycogen. And if your options are food such as applesauce or dates or, um, you know, I don't know, peanut butter sandwich or, or whatever else it may be, or gels, then the question we should ask is, whenever you consume something, it needs to be digested. What is going to recruit the minimum amount of energy and the minimum amount of blood into your stomach for digestion? What is something that is going to be broken down immediately to give you a replenishment of energy that you require within a minute, minute and a half? And if we ask these questions, we may, we may find that something like an energy gel is very easy to digest. It takes less than 30 seconds to sort of get down. Um, you have pretty much an instant surge in energy within a minute or two. So it solves a lot of these purposes. It's easy to carry. It requires no preparation. And it allows you to focus predominantly on the workout for the day or on the race if you're in a racing environment. So putting all these things into context, of course, an energy gel or even a drink mix, again, depending on on the training run. If you're in an IV uh, atmosphere where you're taking smaller sips more frequently, you're on a four-hour run, maybe you're in the mountains, you can keep alternating and switching between gels and drink mixes. But if you're out for a 21K, <clears throat> which is a half marathon tempo run in training or even a, a half marathon as a race, you may not really need to drink anything at all. So in that environment, you don't want to drink because uh, you know, you're, you're going to be done in two hours or, or less than two hours. You want to take gels. So we have to adapt uh, depending on the situation. One uh, follow-up question, not uh, exactly on gels versus uh, real food, as much as uh, during an activity and especially during racing. Can you give us some insights on sodium intake in particular? There are some charts on how much sodium as a thumb rule you may need. But just having you know worked with so many runners and then experiencing various things in our R&D, because you know, every product that we develop, we test it out with the athletes that we work with. We've come to realize that sodium intake really varies person to person a lot because of your sweat rate. And it's really easy to calculate your sweat rate. There's a there's a set system of doing it. Again, there, you know, there's a protocol available on the net. Just print it out and follow it and you'll know your sweat rate. And then depending on what your sweat rate is, you can calculate uh, near accurately what your sodium loss and your other salt losses are. And then based on that, you can come to a near approximate on how much you need to replenish. But... If it's cold, you're not going to be sweating that much. So you can't have a thumb rule saying, based on these calculations, I need X an hour. Because that hour in the summer is going to look very different from that hour in the winter. Um, that hour 
in a race may look very different from that hour in a training run. So I think a lot of these things are by feel. The same way when we start running, we may follow math or we may follow a heart rate uh, uh, method of training. And then over the years, we sort of decouple from that and we sort of realize that we're running by feel. We know what we feel like. Oh, I feel good enough today. Or you know, I don't really look at the heart rate that much anymore because I know how my body is feeling. I think with it's the same with nutrition. You you reach a stage in your training where you just you know that look today I know I have a 15k. I know I can do it without gels, but I'm going to need a gel because I didn't sleep that well, or um, I didn't sweat too much, but I didn't drink enough water, so I need to drink a lot more water and I need to take some salt capsules. So you have to sort of uh, adjust that to the environment that you're in as well. Thank you. Moving on, uh, women are uh, taking up uh, endurance activities in a big way, especially in India. What are some of the specific areas uh, that they need to focus on? I mean, you spoke about, of course, uh, supplementation like calcium, iron, protein in general for both men and women. But are there any other uh, thoughts that you have on this point? Women, I mean, you know, it's no different than men. I think the fundamentals are the same. When you talk about strength training, you talk about adequate rest, adequate nutrition, following a, a, a proper training system. But there are a couple of things that have come to surface recently. Uh, you know, I'd like to I'd like to point out that a lot of women, men for that matter as well, uh, get on diets as they're concerned about their appearance. And when an athlete, male or female, does this, they tend to restrict caloric intake. And hence, their energy expenditure outweighs their energy intake, leading to weight loss and leading, in most cases, to muscle loss. Now, with women specifically, we know that when energy availability is low, that means their energy intake uh, is lower than their energy expenditure, so the energy available is low, certain physiological systems start getting down-regulated. And some of the systems that start getting down-regulated, one of the things that you know happens in women athletes is the down-regulation of the reproductive functions and also the down-regulation of bone metabolism. And both of these are specific to female athletes. So as an athlete, one may say that okay, I've started running or I've started some form of physical activity and I'm going to eat less and I want to try and lose weight if that is the goal. Yeah, sure, they will lose weight. But this system will also downregulate two things. Uh, one is the, the reproductive function and the other is bone metabolism. We also know that women have to eat more carbohydrates as compared to men in in the general sense, to achieve peak glycogen levels. Uh, the research is still ongoing. There are certain women who may not have to eat less than certain men, but women in general have to eat uh, more carbohydrates to achieve peak glycogen levels as compared to. So these are two areas uh, that are specific to, to women. Okay, thanks, uh, Amit. Uh, 
now we are making a transition to your role also as a coach uh one i have a couple of questions on this uh, one is a little general which is that uh, what are some of the key aspects that you emphasize uh, when you are training an athlete and what are some of the common mistakes that you see so my journey into coaching is uh, very new and very recent um i think uh, you know the way the way i look at it is coaching someone is not just a training plan uh, because uh, coming from a nutrition background uh, spending a decade in in the field of nutrition and then looking at coaching it's important to ensure that the person you are guiding is aware of the importance of um nutrition as well as a training program they're aware of the importance of when adaptations take place and we know uh now through science we do know that most all adaptations take place in the rest phase not in the stress phase um what do you do in your rest phase are you replenishing your lost glycogen your lost electrolytes your protein requirements your caloric requirements all of this is done in the rest phase and if you're on top of your game with all of this then you're in the best position to adapt to the stress that you went through uh, you know in a 30 minute or 60 minute training run so what i what i have felt is a lot of training programs focus on those 30 to 60 minutes and they may not focus on the other 23 hours in the day which is when you're adapting which is when your body is adapting and what you do in the other 20 23 24 22 hours in the day has a dramatic impact on how you perform in the 60 minutes the following day so understanding that uh making the athlete aware of that that's the first step you know because you need a buy in Uh, it's very difficult to get a buy in from an athlete when when you tell them uh okay this is your session for tuesday morning and then this is what you have to try and focus on for the rest of the day and uh, you get a kickback saying hey i've i've done my run in the morning why why are you bothering me the rest of the day so you need a buy in you need them to understand that adaptations are very important otherwise all the work that you're doing in uh, doing in the morning is not going to be of as much uh use to you as it as it can be okay thanks uh, thanks amit uh now i have a, a short segment here which is uh, a bit of a change of pace as i call it which is i try to run through a set of questions a quiz kind of a thing with my guests so are you ready for that uh, we will just go through five questions sure it, it'll be just good some good fun sure 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 of course Before we start the quiz I want to let listeners know that all the resources being discussed here are included in the show notes so do refer to those uh, links for further information I also request all of you who are listening to please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word please leave a rating and review on iTunes or whichever podcast platform you are using this will enormously help in growing the show now to the quiz uh so I'll start with question on ultra marathons actually this is one of the world's most famous ultra marathons and it starts with the organizer actually lighting a cigarette do you know mm-hmm. which ultra marathon are we talking about or oh, the barclays 
perfect yeah. uh second one which is uh, which is actually a full toss for you uh, what's the difference between vitamins and minerals oh good lord uh well i think uh you know minerals like like i said calcium potassium these are different minerals you talk about vitamin e vitamin a these are vitamins you talk about d d3 it's you know many people say vitamin d3 is actually a hormone so there's different uh, uh ways one can one can look at it but anyway oh. yeah okay now a question on uh, cycling if you ride very closely behind uh, another rider there is a term used for that uh, what's that it's not coming to my head i know what you're referring to um yeah it's 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 a drafting actually drafting there you go yeah yeah, okay. yeah yeah uh another question on uh, running so the world's uh, longest foot race was actually started by sri chinmoy in new york okay it's called the self transcendence run you may have obviously heard about uh, heard about it do you know what the current distance of that run is i do not uh it's a 3100 mile uh, run oh my god around one uh, one block of 0.58 miles in queens in new york so you have 52 days to finish it and i have very very few people actually actually do it uh, and some years i think nobody finished uh, finished it so it's quite so a you, unique uh, you said 3000 miles 3100 miles yeah wow so you are expected to do an average of about uh, close to 55 miles or so per day uh roughly that's the that's the average wow i had heard of something similar in brazil uh maybe maybe i'm wrong but i think there's something similar to this in brazil where you run around the block and it's some insane amount of uh, distance that you have to cover over i think a couple of months okay uh last question uh, uh there is an indian company in pune which has started manufacturing a vaccine for covid-19 in collaboration with oxford university do you know which company we are talking about i do not okay this is the serum institute okay wow okay, okay. interesting right. okay. yeah so that's that uh, that uh, so we are done with the quiz uh, quiz segment uh, one of the things uh, which will be of great interest to our listeners is are the materials that you use whether it is a uh, you know whether the whether it is blogs or websites or podcasts you follow youtube channels books you refer to so can you give us some recommendations um i read a lot of uh, research related stuff so a lot of articles that uh, you know because of the field that we're in we have access to a lot of articles on vitamins minerals uh, energy endurance athletes so these are typically either clinical trial papers research reviews peer reviewed uh, articles journal articles research done by individuals or done by universities that's the kind of stuff that i that i dive into uh, i'm not sure if 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 that would be of interest or not apart from that uh, just a lot of general books more specific to running there's one on uh, uh, mental training uh there's, there's there's a couple on you know 80 20 running and things like that so those are pretty common books that i think all of us have read um that just give you different perspectives on training and racing which you need to absorb and and then come up with something that works for you uh, on 80 20 did you mean uh, matt uh, fitzgerald's mm-hmm. book 
Yeah. Okay. So that's Matt Fitzgerald's book. And on uh, on mental training, uh, who did you refer to? Were you referring to Alex Hutchison's book? Uh, Correct. Uh, okay. So just for listeners, this that book is called Endure. Endure. Uh, E-N-D-U-R, yeah. yeah. By Alex Hutchison. Uh, it'll be in the show notes anyway. Uh, so uh, thank you for that, uh, Amit. Uh, this has been uh, very, very helpful. And before we leave you, uh, can you let us uh, know and the listeners know where people can contact you in case they want to get in touch with Unived as well as uh, yourself, your website, your social media handles, email, whatever you are comfortable sharing? Sure. So our website is unived.in. That's U-N-I-V-E-D dot I-N. Um, and then Unived's social handle is at Unived Sports. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, um, and an email for the company is info, I-N-F-O, at univade.in. Um, and then your, people can find me on Instagram as well. My handle is run, R-R-U-N-N. So feel free to reach out to me. Um, happy to help if, if I can. Happy to learn from the community as well. Uh, thank you very much, Amit. This was really helpful, quite insightful. Uh, I also wanted to thank you for the wonderful products that you put out uh, uh, there. I've been a user for many years and really enjoyed the, this conversation. And thank you very much for taking the time. Yep. Thank you, Raj, for uh, taking the time to you know listen to our story. It's nice to, to speak with someone about uh, you know an area that we're all passionate about. And uh, also a big thank you to the entire community in India and, and other parts of the world for using our products, uh, for, for sending us, you know, lots of suggestions and comments um, and feedback. Uh, we're, we're, we're a first generation company. So it's, it's really nice that uh, the community has uh, taken us in and, and supported us. So a big thank you from everyone at the office and from the from the core team at Unibed. Thank you, Amit. Thank you very much. Thank you very much to all the listeners. As I mentioned, all the resources discussed here are included in the show notes. So do refer to those links for further information. You can reach out to me on my social media handles, which are Running and Fitness with Raj on both Instagram and Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter at Running Raj. And you can also email me on runningandfitnesswithraj at gmail.com. Please let me know if you have any questions or specific guests you would like to see on the show. I also request you all again to please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word. Please leave a rating and review on iTunes or whichever podcast platform you are using. This will enormously help in growing the show. We will continue to bring you exciting and interesting guests and give specific and actionable advice. Stay safe, stay healthy. Until the next show, goodbye.